the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Well, hey, we're doing this series <laughs> called Fascinate. How many of y'all are enjoying this series? It's just been, it's been really fun. And we're just talking about exploring the wonder of God. We're talking about really the the, the idea of worship, not the idea of worship, but just kind of what worship is. And I know that, that might be kind of a, a weird way to describe worship, but that's really what we've been talking about, right? Really, worship is just whenever we take a minute and we just, we just lock in, right? And, and Jesus captivates our gaze, right? And we, we, we kind of just get kind of pulled into him. And the next, you know, it's kind of like when I get a like something happens, like I need to do something on my phone. You guys know how this is, right? And so you go to your phone to like write a note or to do something important on your phone. And the next thing you know, you're on your phone for 30 minutes and you didn't even do the thing that you got on there to, that you planned to do. Anybody else with me? Am I the only one? And so what happened is you got fascinated, you got locked in, you got pulled in. Come on, are you with me? You got distracted. And listen, Jesus is so fascinating and so beautiful that when you take a glimpse of him, you get totally locked in. And some of you are like, oh, man, I get bored and worse. That's just not my thing. Well, that's why. That's why. Because you're, you're, it's not your thing because you haven't looked at him. You might have looked at somebody else. You might have looked at the song or how the song sounded or whether you liked the song, but you didn't look at him because if you looked at him, he's inescapable. Like you get locked in. It's just what he does. He fascinates us. And so whenever we start to gaze at him, we start to explore his beauty. And our, one of our values here at Overflow is that we value the presence of Jesus. We value the presence of Jesus everywhere we go. And every time we gather, we believe that when he shows up, he speaks, he heals, he transforms lives. This is what he does just when he shows up. And what that is and what we're talking about this morning is the glory. What shows up is when Jesus shows up, he brings something with him, right? He doesn't, we, we don't come into worship to get the thing he brings with him. We, we just worship him to get him. But when he comes, he does stuff. He heals, he transforms, he, he, he brings a tangibleness to his presence. I don't know about you, but I decided a long time ago, it wasn't good enough to just have a verse that said, the Lord is with me because that didn't help me. It didn't help me to have a, a verse on my refrigerator when I was going through a difficult time just to know it in my head, I will never leave you or forsake you. That didn't give me enough courage. Maybe it did to you. Maybe you have that much faith. I don't. I needed to experience something, something that was heavier than my situation, something that bared more weight than the struggle I was going through because the struggle's real. Come on. And you need something that's tangible, something that you can lock hold of, and not just an empty Bible verse, right? We, we love the Bible. We, we, it's our core. Come on, we, we, we love that. But Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. And the thing is, is if you just have an intellectual understanding of a couple of words on a page, that doesn't help you. You need something that gives you life. You need to experience a man. You don't need to experience, you don't need to experience a, something, a handwritten letter. That's great. You need to experience him. You want him to show up. Come on, are you with me? And uh, you might say, well, because you don't have enough faith. You don't have, well, if that's what it is, then that's what it is. I don't have enough faith. But I believe that God likes to show himself off. I believe that he likes to show up and show out. And so um, what happens when we worship is it provides a context for God to dwell in. That's That's why we worship when we get together, because we want God to show up. We know he's there. Right? We know any, any time we're together. In fact, we know he's there even when we're not together, he's there. But how many know that there are measures of the tangibility of God's presence? 
right? How many of y'all have experienced the presence of the Lord before? And then other times you just know he's there, right? I, I know he's here. I know he's there all the time. But sometimes I experience that he's there. Come on. And so when we worship, it provides a context for God to dwell in. That's why it's important that you don't just worship here on Sunday mornings, but you worship at home and you worship in your car and you worship through your job and you worship through your relationships and your friendships and the community that you're building, that we provide a context for God to come and dwell in. We see this with Moses in the tabernacle, right? In fact, check this out. There's a, there's a scripture that talks about Moses in the tab- tabernacle that he, that they had built the tabernacles. God said that it said that the, the presence of God was so thick. It said that he couldn't go in because the presence of God was so thick. It kept him out. Isn't that crazy? Um, then we see David, right? God gives David this. The reason why David had a heart that longed after God is because he wanted to have, and we're going to talk more about David in this series. He wanted to have a heart. He wanted to provide a place for God to dwell. Right? And he, he, he said this here. They got his, his castle built. His kingdom was built. They said, David, man, your, your kingdom is built. And he's sitting on his throne. He's like, here I am sitting on this throne. And God's out there in a portable tent. He's out there in a mobile home. Right? Floating around the tent that Moses built. He's like, I'm going to build something greater. I'm going to build a temple. More expensive than any structure that's on the earth right now was the the temple that David had the heart to build. So God put this heart inside of David. And then we see Jesus. What was Jesus? Jesus was, was was God in the flesh. We talk about God in the building. God in the flesh is Jesus. Come on, the Son of God. Check this out. Uh, we, our scripture kind of for this series is Mark chapter 9, verse 15. It says, as soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran out to greet him. So they saw Jesus and they're like, whoa! Right? They were blown away. They were, look what it says. Overwhelmed with wonder. They weren't like, oh, that's cool. Right? It wasn't like a little nod like we get in worship. It was like, they were overwhelmed with wonder. They were like blown away, and they ran out to meet him. They're like, Jesus, whoa, right, running like little kids to meet him. Why, why, what was it that Jesus carried that caused people to be attracted? Can I tell you that it was the glory that was on him? Everybody has a glory. You have a glory, I have a glory, and God has a glory, right? No, 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 only God's got glory. No, you got a glory. In fact, there's, we build our society around all these people that have a glory that we like. Personality, right? Charisma, the things that the, the, the people that we make posters of and stick on our wall, they have a glory. Sometimes we worship that glory, right? Oh, if I could be like that person. You have a glory. You've met those people before when they walk in the room and everybody wants to know them, right? Think about my, my buddy who's here with us this morning, uh, Adam, Pastor Adam, was uh, he's like that. He, he walks in, he's like, man, who's that? Who's that guy? I want to get to know this guy. I want to get to know him. Why? Because there's a glory that we all carry. Come on. Now, Jesus had a glory. Now, his glory was different than your glory. Come on. Check this out. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed and ran out to him. Check this out right here. John 1, 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Love that. He came and he lived here. We have seen, one translation says, we have beheld his glory. That means that we have, we have not just looked at it, but we've actually just gazed at it. We, we, we've seen, we've beheld, we've put it in our hands and we looked at it. We beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
This is Jesus. So Jesus is full of the glory of God when he walked on the earth. Full, completely full. It says in Colossians uh, 1.19, it says, the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus. The fullness of God. Not just Jesus wasn't just part God. He was fully God. Fully God and fully man. The full glory of God was in Jesus. This is why people were attracted to him was the glory that was on him. Come on, are you with me? Jesus is fully God and fully man. When we have the Father who's fully God and fully Father, right? And what happens is when Jesus shows up in the room, the Holy Spirit shows up in the room, God the Father shows up in the room, what happens is he reveals something. Something comes with him. Isaiah, Isaiah 6, if you want to read Isaiah 6 sometimes, this is the prophet was there, and there was just, it said the train of his robe filled the temple. All this stuff that we've been talking about, you know, in the book of Revelation, all that was just the glory. There was all this stuff that just exudes from his presence, right? How many of y'all have ever brought a bad glory to the, to the room, right? You walk in, you're like, whoa, right? Some people have that glory you don't like. You're like, oh, I feel tension, right? Get away from that person. I'm like that. I, I just kind of exude whatever I'm feeling. People are like, oh, why is Josh in a bad mood? Who's he mad at? <laughs> right? It's just, it's just what happens. It pours out of us our glory. So when I think about the glory of God, I think about Moses. Because Moses had these crazy experiences with God, and God showed up in, in, the, in these really strange ways. Okay? And what happens, he lead the people out of Israel. He goes in and got, got, he goes up to meet with God, and God gives him this plan to build a tabernacle. That was kind of stuff. We talked about that last week a little bit, how that when Moses went up to the mountain that the people started worshiping because we are worshipers. It's just what we do. It's just what are we going to worship, right? And you guys can catch that on the podcast. But Moses, so Moses leads the people out of Egypt. He went up, got the covenant. When he came, while he was up there, people started worshiping idols. We talked about that. And God told Moses, he said, go ahead and go. So God was upset. He's like, go ahead and go to the promised land. You've got it. Just go ahead. It's yours. I, I give it to you. Go ahead. But I'm not going with you. He's like, you can have that, but I'm not going to go. Most people would go. Oh, that's the promised land. Okay. All right. See you, God. I'll go with that. You promised. I mean, so sometimes you can walk in the promise and not have the presence. Right? I refuse to do that. I want to be like Moses. Check this out. So Moses went into the tent, this tent we talked about, and the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance. So this time he was in the tent before the cloud showed up so he could get in, right? And while the Lord spoke with Moses, whenever the people saw the pillar uh, of cloud standing around the entrance of the tent, they stood and worshiped each at the entrance of his tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses. Check this out. This is awesome. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Isn't that good? That's so good. The Lord would speak to Moses like a man speaks to his friend. Just like your neighbor right there in church. The Lord would speak to Moses just like that. They just have a conversation. If somebody's in the car with him, if someone's drinking coffee with him, that's like the kind of conversations that Moses was having with the Lord. It says, Moses would return to the camp, but his young age, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Oh, there's a whole lot there. I think, actually, I think we might have hit on that whenever we did our threshold series. But we're not going to go there today. So Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people. You've not let me know who you'll send with me. You've said, I know you by name and you've found favor with me. But if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways 
so I may know you, so I may know you and continue to find favor. How many know that when we follow God's ways, favor follows us? Come on. And so we just, we follow his ways. So, oh, what's the plan of God? What's the plan of God? Just follow his ways. Then his favor is going to follow you. You're not going to step outside of what God has for you. Remember that this nation is your people. So what happens is God's ticked at the children of Israel, but there was a man named Moses who loved these people, who was the shepherd of these people. He said, God, I know you're mad at them, but we're not going to leave without you. You're going to have to go with us. Come on, that's powerful. There'd be someone that would say, God, I know you. You know what we would do today? Oh, God's mad at him. I'm mad at him too. When would we develop a shepherd's heart that would say, God, I want these people need you. See, we can sit around and we can complain about society, about how broken and how jacked up it is. It does not a bit of good. But when will we have a heart for them and see them as Jesus saw them? You know, Jesus, you know how Jesus saw the people? He said that he saw that they were without a shepherd. He said they're harassed. They're helpless. Of course they're acting stupid. They don't have any leadership in their life. But if we would start seeing people the way that Jesus sees people, then we could provide some leadership for them. Instead, we just want to sit around and complain about how jacked up they are on Facebook. Like, that's going to do a lot of good. I'm just bringing awareness, brother. Well, get out there with the people and love them. Love the person that gets on your nerves. Lead them. Anyway, so the Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. We're not going to go unless you go with us. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and your people unless you go? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What is going to make us different? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. See, God just needs to find one person. He just needs to find one. He doesn't have to have the whole culture loving him. He just needs to find one person that loves him that will stand in the gap like Moses did. Then Moses said this. Now show me your glory. Now, hold up. Now, didn't Moses already experience the glory? I mean, there's like a cloud, and he's like having a conversation with God, like a, like a man talks to his friends, and then he's like, show me your glory. Why? Because there are different levels of the glory of God. There's not just one level. It's not like the glory of God. No, no, there's different levels. Like, you've experienced the Lord? Yeah, good. Now show me your glory. I have stories of where the Lord's impacted, and I'm still going, show me your glory. And he's not like, well, I already did. That's what we do. Well, he already did. He gave us the Bible. We love the Bible. We're not going to deviate from that. But we, got, we got also got the Spirit, and we're going to start valuing the Spirit. Come on. All right. Now, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. Now, hold up. Moses already saw him. God is saying, I'm about to give you a measure that you cannot handle. Right? So you, you've been talking to me. We've been hanging out. But I'm fixing to give you something that if you experience it, you'll die. <laughs> Okay, Lord. People would say, well, no one could see the Lord and live. No one could live without seeing the Lord. So Moses didn't have the capacity to receive the revelation that God wanted to give him. 
Isn't that crazy? So he's like, he's talking to God like a friend. He's like, go and show me your glory. And he's like, okay, but we got to hide you. So I'm going to put you behind this rock. And this, here, we'll get right here. I'll place you near a place to stand on this rock. When my glory passes by, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I pass by. It's like, I'm right her. Right? Don't, don't look over her. Right? I'm going to pass by. You were peeking around? He says, then I'll remove my hand and you'll see my back. But my face not, must not be seen. So he's like, you won't, you won't see my face. You've seen my face, but you won't see my face. Right? Because it didn't say that he had already seen God's face. That he talked to God face to face. That's fascinating. Right? So he's like, but I'm fixing to reveal to you my face in such a way that if you saw it, it would kill you. It would overwhelm you. It would be, it'd be too much for you to handle. So I'm going to cover your face. I'm going to walk by you. And when I pass by, my glory is going to be so heavy on you. You're just going to see my, my back. My backside. <laughs> All right? So he passes by. And this is what happens. So, so Moses sees the Lord from behind. Now, he already saw the Lord, but now he sees the Lord again in a greater measure. And it's fascinating. So he goes... And when, when he leaves the mountain, he doesn't know it. He, he shows up, and his face is, like, beaming. It says that his face was radiating. What was it radiating? He, he is emitting now the thing that he saw. He saw the glory, and now the glory stained him. It's like all of a sudden now he had this permanent, like, thing on his face. Well, it wasn't permanent. It was actually starting to fade a little bit. And so they made these veils, and they covered his face. And they're like, well, we want to freak. First of all, we don't want to freak the people out. And the second thing is it's fading. So if they put any confidence in you, they'll lose the confidence because the glory will fade. So we'll cover you up. But his, his face is like, Bing! I bet it made a noise like that. The, the word glory, when we talk about the glory, what do, you, what do we talk about? Because that's kind of mysterious. Oh, the glory of the Lord, right? It's real spiritual. Oh, we were worshiping the, the glory of the Lord came in, right? And people are like, what are you talking about? Glory. The word in Hebrew is kabod. And the word kabod means the heavy weight of God. The heavy weight of God. Other words, the tangible presence. Right? This could, Benny might be able to pick up like some vibe for me or whatever, me standing right here. But whenever I put my weight on him, he knows that I'm here without a shadow of a doubt. It's evident. It's the kabod. It's the weight of Josh. Sit on your, right? And you have a glory. Come on, you have a weight that you carry. Some of it's good glory and some of it's bad glory. Uh, some people have called it the Shekinah glory. Now, the Shekinah isn't a, isn't a Hebrew word, but it's a cool word. We like that. Shekinah. Right? Sound real spiritual in the name of our church. Shekinah. It's a Shekinah glory. It's a Shekinah. You sound all spiritual when you say it, so it makes you feel a little better. It's not really a biblical word, but, it, but it's, it, it's words that the, that the rabbis have come up with, and they say, well, this is, this is the glory, the Shekinah glory. It means God has showed up. It means that he has caused himself to dwell. This is what, when we say Shekinah glory. So if you ever hear that, you don't think, oh, spooky, glitter gold dust. No, no, no. It just means that God showed up and chose to dwell, whether it was glitter gold dust or water being poured into the room, right? Or just healing to exude, Okay? I know some of this is a little spooky for some of y'all. You're all right. Listen, you can handle this. So the glory is what comes with him when he shows up. The glory isn't God, but it's what comes with him when he shows up. Right? It's like when I get home and I walk inside my house, there's a glory that follows me. 
Sometimes it's the glory of the Lord. Sometimes it's not. Right? But it's the weight that I carry. It's the thing that comes along with me. So don't over-spiritualize and say, oh, no man has glory. No man has glory. That's why it says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to seek it out. Why? Because kings have a glory. We all have a, a glory about us. So I want to talk this morning about encountering that, encountering the weight of God, encountering the glory. What, what, what does that look like? What does it do when we encounter God's presence? Because listen, when we worship, the glory shows up. Now, the, the, the weight might be different, right? Sometimes it might be peace. Sometimes it might be joy. Sometimes it might be tension because you got things in your life you need to get straight. Well, that's conviction. You can call it whatever you want, but the Lord's saying, I want you, and you need to stop doing that. You can call it whatever you want. There's some things in your life, just because God approves of you doesn't necessarily mean that he approves of the things that you're doing. So some things happen when we encounter the glory. The first thing, the, the, the first thing that, that we've got to know about the glory is that it starts with desperation. See, Moses had decided that day, he said, God, we're not going to go anywhere. We're not going to leave. We can go and we can take the promise and we can have everything that God promised. But he said, God, we want you. Show me your glory. I, I can take the promise and we can go, we can get it, but we will not go without you. The problem is, is we are not a people that are desperate. Listen, if you can live without Jesus, you will. If you can live without Jesus, you will. Some of you, you can live without Jesus, so you do. But you can't live without Jesus. Don't send us, God. Don't, don't, don't let me go, Lord. I'm not going to go unless you go. I'm not going to go unless your blessing, unless your favor, unless your power is on me. Can I tell you today that just because you're a child of God and you have the favor of God on you, the unmerited favor and the grace of God, can I tell you that you can still go places that God's not going to go with you there? There's some places uh, and, and things that we can do that are outside of God's glory, that God's glory isn't going to be on. There's decisions that you can make, that I can make, attitudes that I can have that the glory of God's not going to be on, that the glory of God's not going to follow. Don't just think because you're a child of God that he's going to approve everything and just kiss everything that you do. Because there's some things he's not going to kiss. But will we be a people of desperation and say, God, I'm only going to do the things that you'll kiss. I'm only going to do the things where Jesus can be revealed. So what we do is we sit around and we argue about what's permissible. All things are permissible. Right, but not all things are beneficial. Don't leave that part out. So what we do is we live life with permission. Well, God, how far will you let me go? Well, that's not really a sin. Since when do we get to live in with that poverty, spiritual poverty mindset? This is I'm going to do what I can get away with. No, no, no. I'm only going to do what God's blessing is on. Would we be a people that don't pursue what we can get away with, but that we pursue the blessing? Would we pursue the glory of God? God, I want to see you here. I want to see you here. Listen, I can tell you today, some of you go places. You, you go places that God can't bless. Oh, that sounds like legalism. You can call it whatever you want, but I can tell you know those things that you do. There's websites you can go visit that God ain't going to kiss. No matter how good and favored you are by your father, he's not going to go there with you. 
lest we be like Ichabod, the one who the glory had departed from. I don't want to go anywhere that God isn't going to go with me on. We've got to live with the desperation that says, God, I'm not going to do anything that you're not on. I'm going to live in the blessing. I'm not trying to freak you out. There's things that you can do and be saved. Still be a child of God. Not ruin anything. You didn't do anything to get in it. You're not going to do anything to get out of it. But will you live for the blessing? Will you live for the favor? Will you live for the glory of God to be manifest? We'll see, we will see a greater level when we stop living on the fringes of what he permits and go after what he blesses. This is when we'll see a greater level. The problem is, is we want to keep our life like it is and not see any increase of the Lord's presence in it. It just doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. You want to see a greater level of God's glory? You're going to have to make some changes. I'm going to have to make some changes. If I want to see more of God's tangible presence in my life, I've got to make some changes. Josh Brown. It didn't just happen. His favor is there. Come on. His grace is there. That's unchanging. But as far as seeing the glory of God, we've got to pursue the things that he's blessed. And again, if you can live without him, you will. And some of you are doing just okay job doing that. You think you're fine. You think, well, God's not mad at me because my car didn't break down. God's not mad at me because everybody likes me. Not necessarily. I don't think God's mad at you. But is he blessing the life that you're living? So it starts with desperation. I'm not going to go anywhere, God. I'm not going to do anything unless you bless it, unless you kiss it, God. If you can't kiss it, I don't want it. I mean, it's just, there's a weight of our surrender, of our yielding. You know, uh, there's this place where we pull off on, on the freeway. It ticks me off. We'll let the, the, the unholy glory pour out when I... And this happens, there's this merger when we get off the freeway to go to our house. And there's traffic on the service road, and they have a yield sign on both sides. Both sides. And so when you pull off the freeway, you're driving like, you know, 120, I'm sorry, 90. Uh, so you're pulling off the freeway, 60 miles an hour, 59 if you're Leslie. So you're pulling off the freeway and getting onto the service road. And what happens is these people that are on the service road, they don't yield. They don't yield. Oh, you're coming up the freeway. The yield side. And every time I drive by, nobody's yielding. So I have to yield. I have to yield because they ain't yielding. Or I'm just going to run into them. Right? And so I've got to get, I've got to figure out how to get in that stream. Oh. Right? I've got to yield. Right? And I'm, every time I'm just like, the sign says yield! Pull out the guns. Okay. Just kidding. Right. Road rage. Texas. But it's frustrating. Why? Because they're supposed to yield. Listen, we will see a greater level of the glory of God in our lives when we begin to yield, to get into the stream that he's flowing in. We got to be the one to yield. God isn't going to yield to you. Jesus already came. He's not going to. He's not going to yield to you. He already, he already seek and save. He already. He's already. He's already done his end of yielding, because he did. He had to submit to the Father. And he had to submit to to win the the hearts of humanity. He had. He had to submit. But he's he's done with that. He's ruling now. And so it's up to us to say, Lord, I yield. I get into your lane. I merge with you. So it starts with desperation. Don't know how we got there, but we did, and here we are. 
Number two, it's nurtured by transformation. Now, when you encounter the glory of God, you're transformed. But when you're transformed, it creates a greater capacity to receive it. Remember Moses? He saw the Lord face to face, right? He talked to the Lord face to face, and then God's like, you can't see me face to face. Why? Because Moses had not yet been able, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this, Moses had not yet come to the place where he could handle the capacity of that glory. And so where he could talk to God like a man talks to his friends, he couldn't still see God's face. He said face to face is strange, isn't it? Why? Because he had not yet been transformed to the way that he needed to be to contain that. The reason why that Jesus transformed your life is not so you can still exude your glory. You have a glory. Are you willing to lay your glory down, your pride, your popularity, even your gifts? Are you willing to lay it down for his glory? Will you allow him to take center stage of your life? Because when he does, he transforms you so you can receive a greater level of his glory. But it takes yielding our glory, right? Now, don't get all super spiritual and be like, well, it's it's all about Jesus, right? That's frustrating when people say that, right? Like, oh, man, he did so good. It's such a good world. It's all about Jesus. And it wasn't that good, right? You want to give the Lord glory? Oh, thank you. You know, you guys need, some of y'all need to quit being so super spiritual and learn to take a compliment. And realize that the glory of God is working through you. And then when you get in private, you just be like, God, remember when they said that? It's, it's just all about you. Instead of being all super spiritual, nobody will compliment you ever again. And then you're going to be like, why don't anybody like me or appreciate my gift? Okay. Check this out. We were transformed to carry the glory of God. It's why Jesus recreated you. When you came to Jesus, he gave you the capacity to carry not your glory. And this is the problem that we have right now is that people still want to carry their glory and the glory of God, right? Oh, I want to do what I, I'm going to do and then merge that with the Lord. It doesn't really work that way. You've got to yield yours. And so the reason why you're transformed, not so you could just be a better citizen, but so that you could carry the kabod of God. So that you could carry God's presence. Can I tell you that you had the capacity to carry more than what Moses carried? Oh, man, he was face to face. He had these encounters. Boom, boom, boom. You, you have a greater glory on you of God. Let's, let's talk about this. You've been transformed to carry it. First of all, listen, we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. So you don't belong to you unless you don't belong to Jesus, unless you haven't given your life over to him. 1 Corinthians 6.20, you've been bought with a price. You're not your own. You don't, you don't get to be center stage anymore. Um, Colossians 3.3, 3, our lives are hidden with Christ. We're hidden by his glory. Listen, his glory now, because we surrender to him, governs our life. Your glory, right? Well, it's just not the way I am. Your glory... Is not center stage anymore. Listen, your glory does no longer go- govern your life. God's glory does. Because you're not your own. 
You don't belong to you. You don't belong to you. His glory governs our life. And how many of you know that his glory governs better than yours does? Because your glory, when you get cut off in traffic, you throw fits like I did. Right? Your glory carries the weight of frustration. His glory crushes frustration. His weight is a lot heavier than yours. So what we got to allow is we got to allow his government to come in, the government of his glory, to come in and demolish. Where there's frustration, peace. Where there's depression, joy. Joy crushes depression. It's his government. It's his glory. It's his joy. Crushes it. His provision crushes your lack. (laughs) Come on. Y'all are out today? Okay. So we have to choose to make his glory our priority. And again, it's heavy. It's heavy. All right, check this out. Second Corinthians, moving along. Chapter 3, verse 7. This is going to talk a little bit about Moses, bring it in context where we're at. Listen. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which is engraved in letters of stone, talking about the law, okay? The law of Moses had a glory to it, right? Jesus fulfilled that law, okay? That, all that law did, did was show people how bad they were. It gave people a system to go, I'm really screwed up. That's all the law did, okay? So it says this. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters of stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steady at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? So if Moses had a glory from the law, how much of a glory will we carry being under the grace of Jesus? I mean, we're like, oh, I want to be like Moses. You're under the new covenant. There's a greater glory. Even more glorious. And it might not look like it might not look like a beaming face. In fact, I kind of hope it doesn't. That would freak me out. So I would have to allow the Lord to crush my tension. But it would be cool if it was. You'd be like, Bing. right? Okay. So if the ministry that condemns men was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness, right? Standing with God. For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison to the surpassing glory. That was great. No comparison. This is way heavier. Yeah. Therefore, since we have such hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away, but their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only Christ can take it away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, come on. When anyone ever turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. How many know that there was a veil that Jesus got rid of on the cross when he died? We talk a lot about that. But listen, there is another veil that keeps you from seeing God because you can't be in connection with God. You have that veil, but Jesus came to get rid of the veil and be in communion with you and to speak to you as, as a man speaks to his friend. And to bring a glory that, that's heavier than anything in your life. Listen, you think your frustration is heavy. You think that what you're going through is heavy. You think your sickness is heavy. You think your lack is heavy. It is heavy. I'm not saying it's not heavy. But it fails in comparison to the great glory of God who crushes all lack. 
who crushes all sickness, who, who crushes all frustration and tension. He crushes it with his government. That we would be transformed. We are transformed so we can carry that glory. Now, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I, I've been thinking about this. I was thinking about this like two days ago. I'm like, how many of y'all have ever known someone that like had an addiction and they got free and then they fell back into it? How many of you know that they were never free? They might have got more discipline in their life. They may have been a little bit more yielded in their life, but they were never free. Come on. You st- How many know that you can not be doing the thing that you want to do and still be a slave to it? Some of you young men, you have, you need freedom from lust. You don't need, you, you might need to install software on your computer. You probably do. You probably need to set up boundaries. You need accountability. Yes, yes, yes. Yes to all of those things. But freedom will strip the desire from you to ever do it again. And God's way is that powerful. I'm not negating discipline. You need discipline in your life. You need to have good practices in your life. You need it. But you need freedom. And freedom will allow you to make those disciplines. Can I tell you that most of the issues that I've struggled with in my life were not like lust or anger. It was self-control. No. And we, who with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory. We reflect the Lord's glory. We reflect his weight. We reflect his healing. We reflect his deliverance. We reflect his freedom. We reflect his joy. We reflect the peace of God. And we are being transformed. Why are we? We are transformed, but we're being transformed. Because why? Because the glory is increasing. We with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory, being transformed into his likeness with ever, here it is, increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit. So what happens is God creates in you a capacity to create the glory, and then he increases the capacity. Why? Because God's glory knows no end. That's what we've been talking about in this series. His glory knows no end. It goes on and 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 on. It keeps going. It doesn't ever stop. So what is God doing to you? He's increasing you. Why? Because there needs to be a place where he can pass by the mountain and not have to cover you up. Ever increasing glory. So God wants to increase his tangible weight in your life. And he's transforming you to do it. You got transformed to get there, and now you're getting transformed to do it more. It's a lifestyle of transformation. That word transformed isn't like a boy becoming a man. Because that's the way we view it. Well, when I was a boy, and I became a man. No, no, no. It's like a rock becoming a butterfly. Actually, the word transform there is the actual word for a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. And I think we talked a little bit about this in the Threshold series. They just function different. Butterflies are way different than caterpillars. But they're the same thing, kind of. It was a caterpillar. It's not a caterpillar anymore. Lord, would you get rid of Josh Brown? I want the new Josh Brown, the new and improved, glory-increasing Josh Brown. That's all. Number three, the third thing. So we got number one. Y'all ready? Starts with desperation. Number two, nurtured by transformation. And number three, produces amplification. 
ever-increasing amplification. Moses had a glory that was fading. You have a glory that's increasing. Now, the ministry of the Spirit, even more glorious, more glorious, not decreasing, not, I was awesome when I served God and loved God. I was so fervent for God, and now it's fading. That's not the kind of glory we got. Can I tell you today that, as we were talking about earlier when we started off, you are a dwelling place. You're a place for God to come and dwell and to reveal his glory. You are to amplify the glory of God. You pray for the sick. You cast out demons. Why did the disciples do what Jesus did? Because Jesus put in them the glory that he had. If you come over here and Jaden was playing this guitar today through that amplifier, that amplifier can't make any sound on its own. You plug it in the wall and you turn it on, you walk around, you might hear a little every once in a while, but no good sound comes out of it. It just sits there. But when you can plug an instrument in it and start playing, all of a sudden beautiful sounds can come out. Come on, glorious sounds. And they just kind of come out, and it sounds good. Listen, that's the same way that we are right there. The glory of God is just playing through us, just amplifying those things. This, and, it, and it increases. Because if he plays that guitar, you can't hear it very well. But when he plugs it in, when he plugs it in, listen, when this house gets plugged in, when we get plugged into Jesus, we will resonate. We will radiate. We will amplify the glory of God. And then check this out. Habakkuk 2.14 says this, For as the waters fill the earth, fill the sea. As the waters fill the sea. What is the sea full of? Water. What is the sea? Water. <laughs> it's crazy. Isn't it? well, the waters fill the sea. Well, that's what the sea is. sea is water. I don't get that. <laughs> Isn't that funny? The Bible is awesome. So, for those the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled. And I like the way this translation says, most translations say the knowledge. I love the NLT here. It says, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of God. How is the earth filled with an awareness? How does the world experience the glory of God? Because you've got a God that lives over here in Oak Cliff, and because you have a God that lives over here in Grand Prairie, and you have some people that live up here in Keller, and then you have some people that live out here, and they're a portal, they're a container for the glory of God, and the glory of God is just pouring out of them in that area, and down in South Grand Prairie, it's pouring out, it's just pouring out, why? Because we are amplifying the glory of God, it's the same sound, it's just coming through us. We've said, okay, we've yielded, and we've been transformed. Who's coming up? Somebody going to play with me? Play? today. We're containers. We're the dwelling place. Can I tell you today, and I mentioned this last week, you need to start viewing yourself like a dealer. Right? You're a dealer. You're a distributor, if that's hard for you to imagine, the dealer thing. We are a distribution center for the glory of God. The pa- that's the package. That's, that's what we give out. People come, they ask for money. We don't have any money. We can't give you money. But what we, can, what we do have, just like Peter said, I can give you money, but I'm, I can fix that thing that's broken in your heart. I can fix that thing that's broken on your body. Why? Because we're a distribution center. And so in this distribution center, you have dealers or distributors, and you're a distributor in the kingdom. You have the glory on you to amplify it into a broken world. Say, what does this have to do with worship? 
everything. Because as we worship and we set our gaze on him, he invades us with his heaviness. And it overrides the heaviness that we carry, the glory that we carry, and the tension that we carry. It just crushes it. Isn't it amazing that we can, I don't know if you're like this. For me, it is. I can walk into a room like this, and I often do on Sundays, with tension, with frustration, with the weight of my week on me. And I could walk in and I could just say, God, I put my focus on you. And it's like all that crud, all that crud is gone. It gets crushed. Why? Because there's something more powerful that I'm setting my eyes on than the power of my week. Or the power of my lack. Or the power of my sickness. There's something heavier than that. 